Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We would like to acknowledge the Shumash, Keech, and Tongva people, the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is being recorded on, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Salad or Dolly, threw a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kinda gnarly, we're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather, together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Happy almost Halloween, this is Ioni Sky. Uh, it's Ben Lee and this is coming out after Halloween. Happy after Halloween, hope you um, felt satisfied by your costume. I think that little exchange we just had about the date this podcast is coming out sums up so much of our relationship and this podcast. You bring the vibes. You bring the general attitude. I take care of some of the details. Yeah, you are detail-oriented, but you're also creative. Yeah, thank you. Because there's an idea that if you're like a creative, you're kind of out of it in you know the details, but you can do both. Being creative involves so many details. Like Mick Jagger. He's good with business and he's creative. That's right. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, I'm the Mick and you're the Keith of this podcast, I would say. <laughs> I like that. Do you reckon? Uh, I, am I, I love Mick, but I I don't know. I've never met Keith. I don't. I, but he's that's a cool thing. I'm the Noel. You're the Liam. <laughs> oh, man. Do you think I'd be able to? I have some mental block with. So does Liam. That's true. They're both hysterical. People from that part of the world, the Manchester, Manchester, Liverpudlians, the people from Leeds. There's a, I think Leeds, there's a humor that's undeniable. Undeniable. Inspiring. Inspiring humor. So this very cool exhibition has opened in Sydney at the Powerhouse Museum. I want to see it. I know, me too. I'm hopefully going to... Well, you're going to see it. Yeah, but I'm not going to Sydney this time. So hopefully it's still up at the end of November when I'm there. But it's all based on this guy, Steve Pav, Steve Pavlovic, who was like, he he discovered me. He was my mentor. I I very much feel This is how I know you. Yeah, uh, he completely altered the course of my life. Like he came to... The first public noise attic show, which was at the Waverly Library Sausage Sizzle and secondhand book sale. It was a gig my dad got us. It was the Aww. and it was this little funny in Bondi Junction, this back behind the library. And he came and it was like all our school friends in year seven and Steve Pav, this hipster dude in his twenties, sitting there. Also props to your dad for his mind, he was really into kind of like had he, he it captured his imagination and he put together this show for you. Well, he, he was on the council, so he knew about the show and he said, my son has a band. Can I mean, they play? But yeah, it was very cool. Totally. No, you're right. You're right. That's um, cute. But, but Pav. So Pav came and literally came up to us after the show and goes, that was really cool. You guys want to support Sonic Youth? And I was like, what? <laughs> and basically from there, the trajectory of my- And how, what did he have to do with the Beastie Boys? So like? he was a promoter. So okay. he brought out Sonic Youth, Beastie Boys, Nirvana, um, Mud Honey. Because I remember and then, hanging with him here when yeah, I was yeah. in the Beastie Boy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So And then he, he started a label and he- if you look at like the coolest Australian music from the 90s and the early 2000s, it was all stuff Pav put out and championed. It was the Avalanches- 
um, Tame Impala. Um, I'm, I'm blanking now, and so Wolf Mother. Uh, so much music yeah. that he, Magic Dirt, that he discovered. So anyway, there's this giant exhibition called Unpopular happening right now, and one of the things that they dug up when because it's all done through his archives because he basically I didn't realize he was a hoarder. He kept everything, and one of the things was um, he had this festival called Somersault, which was '95. I guess it was like the end of 95 New Year's going into 96. And it was Foo Fighters, Beastie Boys, Sonic Youth, Beck, um, Rancid, Bikini Kill, all, all these bands. And Noise Attic played. And after the show, it was on New Year's Eve. It was a great celebration. Me and Evan Bernard, who's a um, director and videographer, he was doing a little doco. We walked around and I interviewed all of these rockers about what their New Year's resolutions were. Basically, everyone chose to be a smartass. So I've got some of these clips. Were you uncomfortable about that? I don't know. I was, okay. I was always into slightly making people uncomfortable. So That's cool, though. So, so this is, I've got some of the clips, and they, they sent me this from Powers to put in the exhibition. Anyway, uh, okay, so I'll just play a few of these. They're funny. This is the first one is Kim Gordon and Thurston Moore. And we're going to find out leading rock and roll stars of today, Gen X, what their New Year's resolutions are. We're going to inch, interview underground demi semi gods Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon about their New Year's resolution. We're doing an interview for the for the seminal Australian punk video publication Somersault, and I want to know what your New Year's resolutions are. Uh, my New Year's resolution is to um, be more able to uh, to compete in the marketplace. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm just kidding. To really strive to um, be a really great existential being. Cool. Thurston's aching to get on the mic. What's the question? What? New Year's resolution? Okay, no, I have to find good crushes for Kathy and Toby. Uh, you just took my resolution away. Now, my, uh, I like to uh, gain some more weight, and that's sort of what I'm fixing to do. And um, I'm fixing to go and um, eat as much um, fatty foods as I can. And I'm talking like, you know, sweet potatoes, lots of sweet potatoes, that's my favorite. And, um, and plenty of um, ham hocks and baked beans. Because I want to get huge. I mean, I want to get like extra, extra, extra large. That's my resolution is to get as big as I can get, man. Hurricane, my hero, he's big. I ain't as big as that. Mr. Mike Diamond, we, we want to know what the news, what his news resolution is. Don't worry, be happy. Be thrifty. That's great. That's great. And how do you, how do you, how do you think you're going to put this into practice? I'm going to uh, limit my consumption purely to water. Beck's New Year's resolution is going to be to make the world aware of his surname. New Year's resolution. 18th century puppet. 18th century puppet. New Year's resolution. Oh, um, puppets. Puppets. A resolve to uh, dabble in the arts of uh, puppets. Puppetry. Puppetry. Pooty, right? Yeah. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> These wise-cracking indie rockers. We got to find some serious answers here. And this one is Stephen Malkmus from Pavement. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Yeah. What What do you want to know? You do mind? I don't mind. 
Okay, we're talking about New Year's resolutions of the Somersault crew. We want to know what you got on your mind at this hour of the morning of our lives. Well, I'm worrying a little bit about my etiquette around the dinner table because I've seen a lot of terrible uh, eating habits on this tour and, um, you know, I'm just trying to uh, chew my food, not talk when I eat, keep my mouth closed uh, until I finish my food. Uh, I don't know, just, uh, you know, be polite when I'm... People want to use the salt, don't, don't uh, hog the salt, as it were. Um, fill people's glasses up, you know, when you're drinking wine, it's always polite to, uh, it's kind of classy, if you're a gentleman, to uh, make sure people's wine is at the proper level. Don't overfill it. So many things. That was truly profound. Thank you very much for your time. And lastly, Adam Neal. All right, my first uh, New Year's resolution is I'm trying to cut down on drinking water. This is becoming a real problem. Drinking way too much water. And I'm also going to quit smoking. And on that note, I'd like to say Happy New Year. And rock harder and smarter in 96. Yeah. That is such a time capsule for me. Capsule. 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 Yeah. I mean, it just, it's like every, it's so funny because when I was 16, 17, 18, I looked at all these people as just, they, these were rock idols to me, you know, and now I think they were all in their like mid to late twenties. I mean, I was, for that tour, it was such a funny, it's when Adam Horvitz and I, Adam Adrock from the Beast Boys, were just breaking up. We'd been married for four years, I believe. And... It was really hard, but we were so... I He could have probably stayed married. I just was too young, I guess, um, even though we were only four years apart. But he was going off to do that. And I knew of you, and everyone looked was like such a fan of yours. All of those people, because I hung out with them, like already all of them, all of these people. I was their contemporaries, and we just... When you came out, everyone was so into you as this, you know, you were young, but everyone's into it. But then, so he went off to do that tour just as we had finally split. And I remember him saying, uh, he met Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill and Adam Horvitz saying, can I write back to her? Cause she wrote him a letter. And I said, well, of course, because we weren't together anymore. So for me, it was a painful time. Yeah. But they apparently s- fell in love during one of your songs. Well, that was so weird because it was just last year, I guess they were doing an interview on Charlie Rose or something, or Dan Rather or something. There was, they were doing a news interview and they described the process of like our band Noise Addict was playing and that's when they like, she looked at him or something and was like, I'm going to marry that guy. So it's a very weird, I get why it's it's painful, but it's also just a very strange cosmic time i think where everything was so potent i mean even the fact that i met claire my ex and you within about two weeks of each other where did you meet claire, claire in Dan's. la claire dance yeah LA. in la oh where okay i met her and and then i met you a couple weeks later I ended up going and being in like a six-year relationship with her and then when we broke up a couple years later you and i getting yeah. together and it's just funny how potent creatively romantically socially this whole period was and i think i mean i guess it makes sense like sometimes i think it's so 
wild, like all of the kind of crossovers and it's so mystical and kind of interesting. Like, you know, me knowing Amy Fleetwood, you know, Mick Fleetwood's kid and then Karis, you know, Mick Jagger, like, oh, wow, we know all the, it's like they met, you know, their parents were meeting and then this one met that one. And then I know the kids from this. And it seems so incredible when it's famous people, but maybe it's just groups of people. Like it doesn't, you know, maybe it's not mystical, but certain times do feel potent. And I think whether it's also, you're famous people or not, there are certain points that you look back on and you think, wow, I did have a feeling. And then something big, you know, sometimes you think this is going to be a big relationship. Totally. And I, I don't think it's just about fame, because if you think about um, like On the Road, Jack Kerouac's book, where he mythologized all his friends. Yeah. None of them were famous yet, but there was this sense of he had the ability as a young person to sense the mythological power of this group of people together. And I think some of the way romanticizing history works. Like we live in Laurel Canyon and there's so much romanticizing of the history that's happened here. It's, and this is why it's connected to this exhibition that we're now far enough out of the nineties where there is some ability to hang a projection of a mythological time onto this experience. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like the ability to turn it into a story. Yeah. Like, we all, I think all of our lives are equal and they're all fascinating, yet it requires a certain tilt of the vision to be able to see the mythological unfolding within our social circles or creative circles. And sometimes it's easier when it's like famous people or royalty or something. Sure. We, can, we can hang our stories on that more yeah. easily. I forgot that like Chinese philosopher or something that goes through each part of your life. Like when you're a kid, you're in this period. When you're in that period, you're in the working period. Then you're in this period and then you're in the spiritual. They break down all the phases of decades of your life. And I'm thinking about these phases where we romanticize things. I sort of want to always do that. And there's such a perfect balance of... Uh, that's why I sort of love Flea's Instagrams because he still has a passionate poetic take on life and I sort of love when you're young I mean if you do it too much and you're not living your life or not being like kind and a good person or whatever but there's a fine balance of being you know the person in a book like the main character of a story you know and everyone is all these kind of characters in a book and it's all very kind of romantic and pushed and I, yeah and I think people that have had pasts that have been exciting in that way sometimes there's also the danger of getting stuck in it and that's something we've talked about a yeah, lot yeah i was stuck yeah it's when like we you... met i was just all uh what's it called nostalgia, <laughs> nostalgia. yeah you used to say you felt uh you felt like what'd you say you felt like a senior citizen or like your life was over golden or years you were in your I've golden years still, yeah. i mean i started feeling like I was in my golden years in my, yeah, in my whatever. I guess, I don't know. I started acting young and I got married young and and then I really held on. I think that probably could happen. Like, you know, those that classic, like the person who, whatever. Like the prom queen or the yeah, football. Yeah, the footballer guy. who just could never claim that glory. I guess I felt like that. So I was holding on to that. And you were really good at saying let's live now well i think to me so much of what's especially artists who i admired always like bob dylan and david bowie and they were always kind of burning the past and moving into something new and i feel like for us 
creatively, like doing weirder together and doing the network and doing shows and making sure we're staying present and connected to what's happening artistically and culturally and, and politically, like being part of conversations that are happening today. It actually keeps you really vibrant and young. I think Amanda Demi is doing that. Yeah, I do too. She's sort of with the kind of, well, yeah, she's just going on excitement now. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you have to like abandon your past or live in denial of it. Like for me, doing this episode and sharing these clips, like it's got that bittersweet quality of like, oh my God, this magical kind of confusing time from 30 years ago. But still knowing that the real magic I want to be involved in is unfolding today. With, yeah. With you. I still have to remember that. Oh. Yeah. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I was thinking about when Connie Francis... Remind me who Connie Francis is. So she is an actress. She was in, I was looking her up. She's one of those beauties, like very cute. She was in a lot of 1950s movies. She was with Fisher, uh, who is the uh, the singer, um, Eddie Fisher. Okay, who's that? Remind me who that is. Carrie Fisher's dad. Um, he was a huge crooner singer and he became sort of a drug addict and he was a huge star, American star. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm lo- very lost on these references, but I love the story. Americana. Keep going. Keep going. Eddie, Eddie Fisher. Eddie his, Fisher. What, what was his big song? He was, you know, with Debbie Reynolds and they had, um, you know, Carrie Fisher, but he was also with Connie Francis. Eddie Fisher was an American singer and actor. He was one of the most popular artists during the 50s. He hosted his own TV show, The Eddie Fisher Show. Okay, Actress yeah. Elizabeth Taylor was best friend with Fisher's oh, right. wife, Debbie yes, Reynolds. Yes, he was with Elizabeth Taylor and then, but no, first with uh, Carrie Fisher's mom, Debbie Reynolds, singing in the rain, you know. Uh, okay. She had um, also the red shoes from The Wizard of Oz. Louboutin. Not Louboutins, but she, she collected Hollywood. Um, oh, memorabilia yeah. and stuff. So once Connie... If you asked me where this story is going, I would not... It's I have ending no up idea. with Sgt. Pepper's Oh my and God, that's amazing. Cannon, and Run DMC. And Cannonball Run. Okay, amazing. Keep going. <laughs> Get us there, baby. Okay. Land that plane. No, just once I was at an event and Connie Francis, who was sort of iconically adorable and beautiful, cupped me under my chin and said, shame about the face, kid. Hmm. What meaning, a beautiful, meaning she liked your face. She thought like, wow, it was such a, she probably knew all the she rat, knew, she knew, rat pack. She knew she, some of the cutest faces. She probably had someone say that to her, but I like a woman saying it to a woman claiming, you know, not just being a con- condescended to by a man, but something about this iconic, you know, good looking woman cupping me, my chin, saying shame about the face kid. I had Lyle Lovett do that to me. Really? No. <laughs> um, I would believe it. <laughs> So I was looking at what Connie Francis was in, and she was in, 
I think it was Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. On the cover. Which, she was probably on the cover. No, the movie that the, Bee, oh, she was in the, the Bee Gees did. Oh, one star. Okay. It got one star. <laughs> By who? Who gave it one star? You know, when you look up movies. On Rotten Tomatoes or something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, it, I, it, you know, when you're a kid, I saw that movie, Sergeant Pepper's, and it's the Bee Gees. I love the Bee Gees, also Beatles, of course. It's the weirdest movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. It's like the worst, but I try. I wanted to love it. It's one of those movies that has a cast of a thousand. And then for some reason, I was thinking of the movie theater in Los Feliz where I saw that movie. And I saw, when I saw Cannonball Run. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I thought of Cannonball Run. Because you saw it at the same movie theater. I guess that's right. <laughs> so Cannonball Run, the, the cute story there, and then I'll let you talk. No, I love it. Keep going. I want to hear all the movies you've seen in that theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, I was a little kid and my stepfather, Paul, and my brother and I decided to see a film. And I didn't get my choice. I don't know what I wanted to see. It was probably 1980, but they chose Cannibal Run. And I was so mad I didn't get my choice that I sat backwards in my seat and said, I'm not watching this movie. So we're in the movie theater. I'm a little kid turning around, like proving a point. Like oh, I did the same thing. And But when... it was such a good film and you eventually turned around chuckling and a cannonball bit, run can i just tell you who is in it and then i want to hear your sure, story sure. <laughs> listen to cast of a thousand from the maybe 1980 burt reynolds dom DeLuise, farrah fawcett jackie chan roger moore sammy davis jr dean martin burt con convoy i don't know how to say his name he was in the tv movie. bianca jagger Amazing. it goes on and on one of those movies that has safely you could describe all of those people as entertainers yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it made me think acting you know we're just entertainers sometimes it is all right tell me your story we are we are it is we are uh my story is that when i was probably so how old were you when you went to see cannonball run i think it came 1980, out you were 10 in 1981, Okay, 11, so I was around the same 10, age 11. and I had a standing appointment every Saturday night with 21 Jump Street. Aww. It was, I think, on Channel 9 and it was about at 9.30 and it was Saturday night and I loved it. I loved 21 Jump Street. And one night, my parents say to me, we're going to see this movie, The Bear. Everyone loves oh, The right. Bear. Oh, right. The documentary? The documentary. It's, it's sort of a documentary. It's like a fictionalized thing about a bear. I just want to see what year that was. And did you turn around in your seat and then eventually like it? 1988. So I was 10 years old. I was exactly Aww, 10 years old. Yes. And I sat facing away from the screen. Oh my gosh. And this must be a 10 year old thing. Yes. And I knew it was adorable, but I held the line. <laughs> I never turned around. I you didn't? didn't? I did not <gasps> give in. I couldn't help it. This is why ultimately I think you are probably more of an emotionally honest person than me. Like at the <laughs> end of the day you will let your feelings out. I'm more of a struggler, though. Yeah, but I will hold on till the bit. I will die on the hill of facing the other direction because I didn't get to watch 21 Jump Street. Do you remember when Johnny Depp started wearing his hair in his face during the making of... Do you know the story behind that? Tell the story. I think he was done doing TV and sort of sensing he would start becoming a star wanted to be. And so he started wearing his hair in his face because he was sort of embarrassed to be on a TV show all the time. Oh, he was trying to like sabotage the relationship. Kind of, I think, hiding behind his his hair. Mm. And I think the the powers that be were annoyed because you know everyone wanted to see his cute young face. Yeah, I remember an audition for a vampire movie. What was the vampire movie with? Um, 
Dracula? It was, no, it was famous 80s vampire movie. Uh, Lost Boys. Yes. I think it was Lost Boys. And they all were... That would I, make sense, I was yeah. doing a screen test. And he probably was too. We both didn't get it. And before the screen test, the actors were kind of outside the soundstage because they would do screen tests sometimes like shot on the soundstage. And he said, do you want to slow dance? And he was... It was before... I think he had... Maybe he was on 21 Jump Street. I don't know. I didn't really know who he was, but I sensed he was going to... But we slow danced and it was... Wait, uh, just outside in the studio lot? Yeah, like That's outside. so romantic. And there's no music playing? No. Wow. Just the music in your hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Just the theme from 21 Jump Street. <laughs> That's so sweet. Can you believe the responsibility that I have this week with... Justin's shoes. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. So my friend Justin Stanley, who I made I'm Fun with, my last album, and made the last Radnor and Lee record with, he started his career playing in a legendary Australian arena rock band called Noiseworks. And they're having a they're reforming, they're having a reunion. And Justin lives around the corner from us here in Laurel Canyon, and he forgot the shoes he wanted to wear on the tour. And I'm I've been tasked with taking them back from Laurel Canyon, meeting, bringing these shoes to him in Sydney, and they're going to be his stage shoes. It's as if you're bringing like his engagement ring oh. or some, or the ring he has to put on his wife or something. I know. It's, it's such a responsibility. Not since I was the ring bearer at my sister's wedding at six years old. Oh. And I, you should have seen how seriously I took that responsibility, oh. carrying that little cushion. There was a girl... So then my future brother-in-law's little cousin. So we were like the two little kids. Like, you know, the little kids. Yeah. That are, remember we were listening to Poog and they were like, they were talking about how uh, oppressively you have to admire the cute kids at right. a wedding. You and know? like you might, you do it. And then when the par- when the parents are looking, you're like really nice. And then when they're not, you're like, I don't really want to see you do that trick again. And so, the parents look at you and you're like, cute shoes that match your bow so tie. Cute. So I was the, I was the, me and this little girl were the cute kids at my sister's wedding. Cause my sister's quite a lot older than me, like 18 years or something. So, so I was six and I was the ring bearer and she was yes. the flower girl. And we had to walk down the aisle and she was meant to put her arm in my arm. Yes. Kind of. And I was so embarrassed. I was really at the height of that, like, girls are gross kind I of I thought stage. you never went through that. No, you did. I think they say I thought you never got out of that stage. No, yeah. No. I, <laughs> no, I went through it then. Well, it was more just about public things. Like, I didn't want... I remember having romantic and sexual feelings from a young age, but I certainly did not feel safe I guess in my family to like admit. I wonder them or why something. girls never go through boys are gross. They pretend, but they're really. I mean, obviously, like if you prefer women, you you think they're gross. But that whole like cooties. I think girls are just usually pretend. I think girls are just more mature. Yeah. But there's this video of me put her oh, reaching yeah. for my arm and me pulling my arm away, like really <laughs> visibly. And when I was asked about it later, I said, I didn't want to drop the ring. I was oh, taking it really smart. seriously. Yeah, I didn't want to drop it. Oh, that's nice. It didn't hurt her feelings. I think it did kind of hurt her feelings. Did you like what you were wearing? I was wearing a little gray suit, did which you I like very much. Do you know what other memory just came back to me? This is I don't know if this is like too is it perverted to talk about sort of your young sexual feelings or like is it weird to like I don't anyway. Know. I just remember we were staying in this is before airbnb i went on holiday with my parents is this when you wanted the cleaner to yeah, see you yeah, naked exactly <laughs> and I, and they, there was we, we stayed in a house i don't know what happened we did like an apartment this is more just exhibitionism yeah but it was such a young age so That's i was cute. six years old and i remember i was gonna have a nap 
and the cleaning lady was walking around and I took all of my clothes off and fell asleep totally naked on top of the covers. And I just, I wanted her to see me, my naked body. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that's what kind I of thought sweet. was going to happen. It's not. I, I mean, just wanted to leave an impression. <laughs> that's interesting. Have you ever had that analyzed? I'm doing I, right I now. What do you, I want you to analyze I think it. That's, I was a performer. I don't know. There's something, n- nakedness is, uh, it was so nice when you're a kid, if you could feel free and... I remember being, I was running around topless as a little child in the summer or something, you know, wearing pants and running around whatever. I remember going into the bathroom, like, you know, when you'd play tag and you like had to pee and you're like, oh no, it's coming in the way of my game. You're, you know, playing. And I, I ran and I saw myself in front of the mirror and I thought, wow, one day I won't be able to run around without my top off. Hmm. And so I think for me, nakedness was sort of a freedom. It felt you know, I just knew one day you can't really run around topless when you get boobs. I don't know. For me, it would be more just, this is me, you know. But this for you, me. I don't know. Yeah, the yeah. greatest showman. Yeah. This is me. Yeah, for me, it was... Love me. love the front of me. Yeah, That's Hedwig. from Hedwig. I think that's about all we have time for. Okay. That's a beautiful episode. I kind of feel like we kind of moved into some new territory. I thought I'd leave you with speaking of a little bit of nostalgia... I'm going to play a clip of a song I did called Free Diving from a Bathing Ape record. Like, Bathing Ape is this incredibly, there's a whole, we could do a whole other episode uh, about Japan in the 90s. Yes. But Nigo from Bathing Ape. We were there. The <laughs> we 90s were there. Japan. <laughs> anyway, this is Free Diving from Nigo's Bape. Bape Sounds, I think it was called. Uh, you can rate and review this podcast. You can follow us on our socials, Benley Music and Ioni Sky Lee, Ioni Sky One on Twitter. Check out the other pods on our network, Jello Biafra's Renegade Roundtable, Brock Enright's Vague Data. And uh, dig in. We love you. Beautiful babies. Hallelujah, I'm so anxious, sit and wait on love-stained mattress. Static, static, I'm ecstatic. I'm the boss now, I won't panic.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.